Welcome. This is Blind Trouble, an arts and music podcast. On this episode, I spoke with Jason Rusnak. He's a great friend and a great photographer. Enjoy. How you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, what'd you do today? Today I ran some errands and uh, for the store. Goodbye, supply. So, just kind of finishing off the year there. December we're open seven days a week until Christmas. So we're just kind of like winding down from that. And give some context to what that is. Oh, Goodbye Supply, it is a sustainable general store that my wife Emily and I opened up in November 2020. So... In Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, yeah, on Passyunk Avenue. It's like a few blocks away from our house. And uh, yes, yeah, a sustainable general store is kind of the term that we like for it. Uh, basically... Has all stuff for like home goods, kitchen, baths, but all focused on helping people reduce their own personal waste, avoiding single-use plastics. Um, yeah, it's kind of environmentally friendly-minded store. And how does your photography play into all that? Um, it's pretty critical uh on just like a day-to-day basis in terms of we have an e-commerce website that has everything in the store on there. So every product I photograph for the e-commerce end of it, all the photos of the store on the website I take and uh, all the photo video for Instagram I take as well. So yeah, most of your time these days is spent on, uh, would you say, commercial photography? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty much, pretty much everything I do right now is like devoted to the store. And then there's like people, like friends, who I've shot stuff for, either like products or other things that still know I do that, and I kind of squeeze that in when I can. So what has that trajectory been like? You, we went to art school together. You studied mm-hmm. photography. Yeah. What did you imagine when you were studying photography? What did you imagine the outcome would be in the long term? When I was, I guess, like when I was in school, I was just really into, yeah, like the fine art aspect of photo and was probably like just barely understanding what the commercial like whole commercial aspect of photo would be like I don't think I really had a grasp on it but my practice in school was like just all kind of fine art based like either making books making fine art prints and stuff like that and no one I think like people barely broke down for me at the time like 
how you would make money with photo or what a professional career looked like. And it wasn't like people were telling you what that was like with fine art. Um, but no one was telling you like, oh, you could shoot like portraits for a magazine or like a fashion brand or like shoot products for uh, any company, you know? Right. I mean, we maybe went to a bad school. That could be that could be why you weren't informed of those things in either uh, branch of fine art or commercial. But so you started with a skateboarder's understanding of photography. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. When I first grabbed the camera, it was pretty much like shooting skateboarding. I was think I was like 12 or 13 at the time. So. Even like from like I had a video camera probably before that and it was like videoing skateboarding and then yeah, once I once I got a camera actually, yeah, it was like shooting skating, but it was also like um I had a class in high school that was graphic design and there was a dark room. So I was taking the basic photo course there and I just hung out in the dark room a lot and just kind of concentrated on those basics of like what makes a photo like kind of interesting which is hard when you're like 16 17 years old yeah <laughs> that's that's why you go like oh i'm just gonna shoot skateboarding <laughs> yeah or parties or something homeless people very common one at that age yeah Not i was getting more like my dad with fish and okay yeah yeah uh stuff that was interesting like where i grew up in northern new jersey was uh abandoned factories right. or farm things and the woods with my friends taking photos of stuff that was out there and it's curious to me about the age at which someone identifies or starts identifying as a particular kind of artist and whether there's a different level of romantic baggage, you know, if you start really young, you usually have a lot of hangups and a lot of purity complexes about what you should be. Uh, you know, if you start drawing when you're like five, I think you tend to have this idea that you're going to end up a fine artist and anything other than that is a failure or it's not living up to that initial spark or dream. But when you start at 13, 12, um, and you're not the most romantic fellow, right? I wouldn't call you a romantic, but like, does uh, it? I don't think so, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it, what is that realization that at, at least at the moment, you're not making art that is um, purely for expression's sake or the search of a certain aesthetic, but more of a functional commercial craft. Is that a depressing thing? Is that fine? Is it good? Like when I was kind of, oh, now? Yeah, like uh, I guess what I'm wondering about is if you start later, is it is it a little easier to adapt, you know, like without these kind of romantic notions of a five-year-old who thinks my dream is inside of this you know, vision. But if yeah. you start later, you know. I think I had that more, I had a weird junction when I finished school because I knew I liked taking photo, but I knew I didn't want to 
I guess you could say like screw it up or taint it by figuring out how to make a bunch of money off of it or like make a living off of it. I mm-hmm. just knew, I knew I wanted to do it and whatever I was doing at the time was fulfilling to me and like expressed whatever creative thing I had. And I was really into, uh, as far as work, art handling, which I think like a lot of kind of people get into. If you're an artist, you're like, well, I can work in a museum. That's kind of cool. Um, you were into it like you enjoyed it? I did like it, yeah. Hmm. So I, I kind of figured like, well, I can make my art and then I can kind of work around art and still have sort of like a creative problem-solving job. And right. I don't have to worry about making money off photo. I can still just support that um, creativity. Mm-hmm. But and those days are gone. There's no more ha- handling no no because i i saw like the i saw the peak of what that was like and um that whole kind of art handling museum uh position was like and i was and i decided that that wasn't wasn't really my interest so then in that kind of career change i looked at photo and was like well i know i like doing this so i should figure out a way to a way to make money off of it that isn't exactly what I'm doing creatively, but I do have like skills there that I could expand on. Sort of like if you were drawing or sculpting, you'd go, well, I know I can, I know I like drawing. Uh, maybe I can do something outside of that, that people are looking for that they need help with, you know? Yeah. I partially have that problem with illustration where it isn't clear uh, that division isn't very clear. Like there's kind of your identity is mixed in with your service to the client. So it's like you, you become a tool for the client and that becomes your identity and your style. Whereas if you do for me, at least graphic design is it's, it's more separate from the hand. So I don't feel that that confusion like i'd rather draw a comic book that makes no money and then do some graphic design work that makes money instead of being in the middle Mm. you know you know what i mean it's kind of a maybe not articulated that well but i think that's what you're getting at is like you'd rather create a separation between the two but then it sounds like you came slightly to terms with the fact that i guess shooting objects though although you have an aesthetic and a way of developing those photos um, it's not like your identity is within those product shots. Yes, exactly like what you were saying about leaning more into graphic design. I found, I kind of saw like with product photography, which I kind of got into eventually was I was, it was more, so just much more technical and you just go, all right, I can, I'm still taking photos and that's kind of part of what I like to do, but it's not really creatively demanding in a certain way, especially like e-commerce photography, which is just like a product on white and, you know, Photoshop post-production on it. There's not a lot of creative input, but you're still using your eye and being perceptive as far as what's 
what am I trying to get this thing to look like as weird as that sounds? Um, For sure. But even then I had like two websites. One was, and I still do basically one site is all my creative stuff. And then another portfolio commercial stuff. And I could never get the two to blend together because it's just like so incongruent. Um, yeah, but yeah, for yeah, a reason, yeah. for a yeah. reason, like you're saying, you don't want those two to blend because I don't know. You see, that's what a lot of people end up doing, and it seems really weird to me when I considered working in like fashion or something. Well, because doesn't I fit you. you yeah, know. I like fashion photography. Like, there's a lot of some of my favorite photographers concentrate in that. And you go like, man, it's so weird that uh, energy is going to um, Nike or something, you know? Yeah. Well, you have an inconvenient personality, in a sense, and identity. So some people, and to explain that, Jason does not drink. Um, he's not a partier. Mm. Never has been. Uh, I like to hang out, though. He loves to hang, but he is a straight white dude. And it seems to me that at least in respect to photography and having a fine art career, that's just a really, uh, you got a lot working against you there in terms of people being interested in the content uh, and nature of your photos. But you are mostly a formalist, I, I believe, in the sense that your focus is on composition uh, and color and the and the fundamentals and again uh, in the world we live in especially the fashionable world of photography this is just a hard sell so it's really difficult when your natural disposition and personality doesn't have a commodifiable nature to it um, and there's some people where those things align really easily you know uh, maybe they love fashion maybe their personality fits that world and that's also how they express themselves. And so those things are unified and they're commodified. Um, that always shook me and, and shocked me. It's kind of like being a jock in high school. Um, some people are cut out to be at the peak and the top in high school and everything aligns, puberty, etc. And then some people just really aren't, you know, um, optimal in that setting and that can be true of your entire life. And it is true for a lot of people in a lot of different settings that it's simply a suboptimal time for their expression, their preferences. And it is what it is. Um, I don't want to be fatalistic about that, but does that make, does that ring true in some sense? Um, I guess it makes me think about that. I, I've always been kind of incongruent with my own interests, interest groups in that way, where when I was going to school and going to, you know, art gallery openings and other hangs like that, I would kind of, I didn't, I didn't really like openings too much and uh, big gallery events and things like that. I liked being around people when they were making stuff and talking about making stuff, but the more reception based things and uh, that 
I, I never really could hang out for that long because it seemed kind of be, besides the point, you know, which well, was also, even, uh, you're, even, uh, you broke the skateboarder mold, at least in terms of my expectations, as naive as they were, um, you did not, you don't have the moral corruption that I see in a lot of skateboarders or that need for like, you know, childish transgression. So maybe in a sense, that's just the way you are, that um, you're incongruent. I'm not saying that as an insult. <laughs> I think it's pretty common with artists that they don't fit right in anywhere. Sometimes they fit in with other artists. Like I could see friends of mine who were just like, like they would just blend in and be like, yeah, this is, this is kind of like my people and who I hang out with. And for whatever reason, I, I never, I don't know. I never, I never fell into things like that. I would find people I'd like to hang out, but I couldn't go like, Oh, I love hanging out with skateboarders or like I with people who like going to comic conventions and really nerding out. Like I like comics, you know, and right. I have other areas of interest that of things that I like, but I'm like, I can't just hang out with someone just because they like the same thing. I mean, that's a basis, but that doesn't mean I'm like, I'm all in, you know? Yeah. And photography seems like a very social, you know, I struggle with photography. It's like, I, I certainly respect it at times. And <laughs> at times, at times it's, it's like, it can be fleeting, but you know, I'm the person who likes worlds that are built inside of the artist and then expressed. And um, I think we once spoke about this, but photography is this very postmodern thing where it's just framing uh, prior existing reality or visual reality. It's mm. it's not about uh, this like from scratch imagined world or universe. Um it's about taking what's already there and, and presenting it in a new context. And I, I don't know why there's not enough meat on that bone. You know, like I can like a photograph up to a certain point, but I can't like it as much as a paint as a painting. That's great. Um, mm -hmm. Do you like, like the thing you like the most, like the photograph you like the most, you like it more than the painting you like the most? Um, yeah. For right. me, right. I think I think they're all valid mediums. I've had, I've, yeah, we've definitely had this conversation before, and I've had I've had it with at least one other person. Um, <laughs> and even in, um, yeah, kind of uh, whatever that would be, like putting photo lower as a medium. I I think it's just as valid. Um, but I I think there's a misconception as far as like what photography is. And to me, it's a very, there's a huge latitude for what photo is um, outside of like taking a picture with a camera. So what, okay, what's outside that? Kind of like something I was working on a couple of years ago with like cyanotypes and like mm -hmm. alternative processes. This is um, kind of like a light fundamental is light the fundamental element yeah i think light like an impression with light if if you were to consider light and time to be the medium as far as like a paint and a brush that opens up like what photography can be to to me and mm -hmm. that's like a huge spectrum of things 
Um, yeah, yeah. So what I was kind of concentrating on a couple of years ago with that was, yes, like cyanotypes and just a lot like, yeah, I'm trying to put it down like solidly without describing like specific images because you can't see them. Um, but incorporating like traditional photography with more expressive uh, impressions that kind of look like painting, but are based in the idea that um, it's a time sensitive medium caught mm-hmm. on paper. That's kind right, of, right. That's the amazing thing to me about photography. It's kind of like a time sensitive impression that you, you can capture forever, or maybe it doesn't last forever as opposed to like painting, which is, if you're going to preserve it, like that's it forever. That's kind of the idea. Yeah. Photography is certainly the best at evoking nostalgia. Um, it's often used as a vehicle for memory, just like songs can be. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's a pro or a con in a sense, because it suddenly becomes less about the thing itself and more about where it takes you. Um, obviously photography is ubiquitous now. Everyone takes photos all the time. And there you have a problem of uh, supply and demand. And I can't imagine how demoralizing that can be. Although I'm beginning to with these AI, um, generated images that just kind of takes, you know, photographs and make portraits of selfies or some shit in a very convincing way. I'm not interested in that mode of drawing, but I'm starting to see how AI could threaten the practice of a lot of illustrators and designers in a way that photography has always been under siege. Um, And I I hope the result is it pushes people to be more human and creative and operate outside of the tool. But I don't know. I have no idea what that's going to bring. It might just demoralize the human spirit and just thrust them into a kind of a couch for entertainment's sake and just let the AI do its thing. Um, Yeah. I don't see how it could be interesting to suggest a computer do something and like you can't like anticipating that result uh, the only few images I've seen um, there when you like feed it images, it always brings you something back different, which is interesting because a computer is very binary, but it's, it kind of is always like reassessing what you're putting in front of it in a different way. Yeah. It's iterating, which is, which is the opposite of if I were to tell someone to sit down and draw something or, uh, make a, make a visual representation of what's in front of them, it would more or less be the same every time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know what'll become of all that. Um, but yeah, do you feel, you know, it's, it's an issue of identity. You know, I often ask artists when they were little or at what age they started to identify and then where they thought they would be and what those expectations do and, and where they think they're going with that medium. Do you 
in an ideal world, you have infinite money. Are you just making cyanotypes? Are you just shooting fine art photography? Or are you shooting, you know, more practical things, products, uh, portraits, etc.? Um, no, yeah, I would probably lean more into just more creative things. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I'm so, I've been, like I said, I've been so focused on the store that my wife and I have now that I have, I don't have a lot of time to look into more creative things I'm trying to do. I'm just kind of like more taking notes about something I want to see. And I got into uh, the idea of making these kites that mm. I started flying in the summer. So they're based off of Korean fighter kites. Cause I just saw so many people flying kites out in the, on the beach and like a cool relaxing thing to do. So I was looking up different designs and the Korean fighter kites are basically just rectangles with like a circle in the middle. And it's a really cool blank canvas to start from. Um, and I was working in cyanotypes and thought, oh, you could just do that on there. So I, I kind of got into that and I've kind of sketched with a lot of ideas that I want to do with that. So if that's sort of the little free time I had, like laying on the beach, mm. my mind goes more towards like creating something rather than figuring out a new way to make money off of a skill I have, you know? Yeah. But do you care? Hmm. You know, there's there's a there's a fuel derived from social acceptance and respect. And it's not some small petty thing, you know, in, in the way of like getting likes on a Instagram post or something. But it's more about pinging back reality and knowing, oh, I'm making art that I myself enjoy or respect. And the people I respect do as well. And that's giving me the motivation to continue. I recall in a certain moment, I think you had some concern about putting out the books, the solar power books, where it's just like that. And this happens a lot where you're kind of making something. It, it takes a lot of effort, but you don't feel that it's being seen to the degree that you would wish. And it becomes, I don't know, hard to continue. Mm. Um and, and getting back into that, especially as an old, older person, where your, you know, window for sexiness to the fine art world is closed. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, uh, does that bother you? Like, how, do you imagine, or do you feel that you could self-sustain? You know, yeah, I think I went, like, I, the arc that I kind of went from was, in school, I was more or less just making stuff for myself. Mm -hmm. And then I started making more books and trying to do other things that I thought would be outward reaching and get different people's attention to how I wanted to, like making photograph photographs that I wanted to make and shooting things how I wanted, but incorporating different themes and subject matters that other people could could maybe see and be like, oh, that's a cool portrait or a cool photo of this or that. Mm -hmm. um, and I, yeah, I was trying to put the feeler out in in different areas to see 
see what interest would come back. And like, while there was some, um, I guess you don't know what you're looking for to happen. Or I, I wasn't like so laser focused on trying to get a specific task done. That <laughs> it, maybe it comes off that way or something. But you make all these books. It's also a, a, a side of like making stuff. Like you make a hundred copies of a book uh, by hand or more. And you're just like left with them. And you go, yeah, well, yeah, why yeah, am I yeah. going to keep making these? <laughs> why would I make more stuff? You know, I don't want to yeah, yeah. put, put garbage out into the world. They just, um, taunt, and, they just taunt you. Yeah. And like a, something, a book that isn't being read is, is garbage, you know? Yeah. I mean, especially with this eco angle, that's a tough one. There's a lot of waste that goes into art. And I think that's a sacrificial element of its making. I don't think that can be removed. I often think about the budding of heads of environmentalism and art making because I don't think environmentalism really has a notion of the poetic typically. They would see the great expenditures of wealth or energy on the poetic as a waste, I think. Um, I could be wrong, but it isn't clear how much waste needs to occur for beauty to arise. I do know that there's chintzy ways you can save material and try to repurpose it, whether that's like beer cans or whatever. And mm -hmm. the, it's a very small uh, window that one can operate within where they salvage are eco-friendly and make a beautiful thing. And I respect that highly, but I think it's the exception, not the rule. Um, so that is an interesting thing, I think, looking, especially when you move and you're carrying all your books and they're looking back at you and saying, you're irrelevant. I like that feeling because I think it's kind of funny. Um, yeah, because in your uh, medium, you, well, now you kind of make more larger, uh, impressionable physical things, but with comics and drawing, they're, they're still relatively small. So I think you just don't realize it until... Time goes on. Yeah, if you were making like things out of glass, you would be more oh, like, God. I got to figure out how to get these things out of here. <laughs> right. And that, that's the pragmatic element of selling the thing is like, um, those things creep into your consideration when you start drawing. Like, do I want to sit around with another thousand books in a box or do I want to understand my client or my clientele? And if I understand you correctly earlier, that kind of cross pollination is slightly unsavory to you, which I understand. Um, but it's almost inevitable, like you said, with the um, with the solar power books, you were kind of obliquely putting out feelers, um, maybe not overtly. And so it seems to me that maybe taking that head on and being like, and trying to create the fusion of all those considerations is the ultimate art, but it's very difficult. Um, no, it's not like, yeah, I can't, I can't say it's the ultimate art because you know you're not doing it for art's sake. Mm -mm -mm. Right. Like, it's like, a, you know, yeah, you yeah. Are, like everyone knows they're not like, and it, it comes across that way and it's not bad because everyone has to make a living, but you know, I, got uh, you. I can see like other photographers, like taking a portrait of ex celebrity and they're probably like another day at the office. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. But, um, yeah, it's convenient what I just said. Ultimately, 
Because if we can isolate variables and say in a, in a vacuum where you have infinite money, what would you make all day? And if the answer is different than that, I get that. Um, I guess it's just like a little more socially considerate <laughs> in the sense. Um, but yeah, I would never want to sit down and make a comic and think about how to make it financially worth the time. Um, but maybe that's because it's so completely... I, what I liked about comics is there's no, there's very low probability of it being financially um, rewarding. And so it weeds out, or it used to weed out a certain type of person, but then it gained social clout, and then it failed to weed out a certain type of person, which I think is a problem. Because that changes like the whole uh, landscape of it, yeah. It's just a currency, it's just a new currency. When it's not like dweebs and nerds and then suddenly like the cool kids making it, then you have to be suspicious again, you know, um, sexier and sexier people arriving. And you should always raise your eyebrows at that. Well, I think about that with in a different way with like skateboarding lately, where now it's so it's very popular and it's, it's always kind of risen and fall with popularity, but um, a lot of people have the common saying that everyone's good at skateboarding. Now that's kind of besides the fact to be like talented at skateboarding. Why do they say that? Because you kind of like look around at like skate videos or you go places and you're like, how is this like 14 year old kid so good all of the, you know, what, but what I think it is, is what kind of what you were saying about comics is that now that skateboarding is a little more validated through its own trajectory and kind of propulsion. Um, it's more like validated and accepted is that there's more incentive for a kid to go, I'm going to get really good at this because I can, I can be somebody with it. Yeah. The risk is lowered. Um, yeah. And your parents are like, yeah. okay, sure. But like earlier on in the skating, it would be like, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, your parents right, would, right. would not believe you that you could do something with it. But nowadays um, it's, it's entirely possible to keep, keep at it and keep good at it. And because there is a field there that's worthwhile. Yeah. I mean, it's not a, it's not really a net negative. It just is what it is, you know? Um, yeah. And in a sense, you could say that maybe people would say the same thing about photography, right? I guess people in aggregate are getting better at shooting photos, I hope. Although I do feel that most people, <laughs> they don't shoot photos from an aesthetic perspective. It's They shoot it as a, a document mm -hmm. uh, of something. And, and thus, I don't know if they're getting better at composition. But... Do you like that kind of, uh, I guess you go a low barrier to entry in terms of pick up a camera, a disposable camera, or pick up a skateboard, and it's kind of accessible to all people? Um, I guess I never thought of it that way. I do like skateboarding for that fact. Um, well, I will say, I think like that's my beef somewhat with photography. It's like, it's a little too easy to start. <laughs> in the sense of like uh, to get good at drawing it takes a really long time I think to even enter into the conversation of you're making drawings 
um, that are worth looking at. But to make, and I could just be naive to the metrics of a good photograph, but to make a photograph worth looking at, I think there's certainly a, a lower barrier to entry there. May, yeah, maybe if you're looking at it in a certain way, but I think there's a difference between taking a photo and making a photo. Um, if you use a device to capture, to just do what it does, um, it's mm -hmm. kind of like plucking a, a guitar string. You would go, okay, I'm making music now. Yeah, but it's a question also of what the populace cares about, right? Like on one hand, you have uh, our friend Logan, who's going to build the synth from scratch. Mm -hmm. And then he's going to make the noise. And then you have my a couple of my friends who are kind of like gearheads. Well, they just buy a synth, and then yeah. they're making they're making the noise. And yeah. <laughs> um, what the populace cares about is a, is effectively the noise. And so, exactly, yeah. um, in photography, I think what people care about is the photo, uh, especially nowadays, as opposed to. Are they Ansel Adams and are they using this really complex system of exposure versus what is the actual damn image? And I might get to the same place with like AI generated comics or something where it's just like uh, the consumer has no doesn't give a fuck how it was made. Um, but I want you to yeah refute the idea that there's not a lower barrier to entry, because in some sense, I, that would be my compliment to photography as well, that um it's a little more warm in terms of reception. Someone can kind of step into it a little more comfortably. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I, I, I can't think of it from the two different of a perspective because I know I want to make photos a certain way. And like you're saying, the people don't care how something is made. I think that did become a problem for me because I, I really cared about how I was making it. And that ultimately influenced what the image was. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. that was kind of the first basis was, was sort of, if I thought of something I wanted to see, I would go, okay, well, how can I make that happen? How can I actually physically make a physical photograph out of in the dark room in the dark room yeah right because that's that's primarily where that's making a photograph to me you know capturing it uh, either directly to a medium or onto film and then printing it and you know maybe doing some other things around there but that yeah that's that's to me, like I said, the difference between like taking a photo and making a photo. I think with digital photography, that latitude is so much smaller because you're not really making, you're making like a digital photo, but it's still on the computer and then you can print it out, but it's not the same as actually making a photograph, if that makes sense. Uh, it does. Yeah, and I also understand that they have different results. Like, even if I draw on a tablet versus on paper and then scan it and digitize it, uh, I would have never arrived at the the first result in the same way. Because yeah. there's, there's different, uh, what would you say? There's like, fric there's friction in different places. There's 
there's like momentum in other places as well. Like, first of all, undoing a line digitally is like nothing. Yeah. But if I if I ink a line, well, then I have to consider my own laziness of whiting that out and then going back into that line again. <laughs> and they just create different things. There's like millions of little decisions at play there. Um, but it is it is interesting. But again, the viewer has no consideration pretty much for how I arrived there. And and then you get caught up in the efficiency model and you say to yourself, why am I doing this? Um, is the process satisfying enough in and of itself to continue the inefficiency? Um, or does it become kind of like an egocentric practice? Uh, those are difficult, really difficult questions. Because if you lose the, I think if you lose the pain of the process and the suffering, you actually yeah. lose a con you lose a connection to the whole the whole thing. Um, if it becomes too easy, like I was just thinking to myself, is it easy to stop becoming a photographer? Is it easier to stop becoming a photographer than a painter? I don't know, but I assume the processes that demand the most of us and are the most painful um, hold on to us the longest, as contradictory as that might seem. So I imagine getting in the dark room, that's a tedious process, but there's also intimacy there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just had to throw out a bunch of chemicals because they went bad. You know, that kind of hits you in the face pretty hard. Um, but yeah, to to kind of set up everything and take the photo and develop it and go through whatever final thing you want to go through it you got to want to do it. <laughs> right, right. There's right. no point. Can you just like half, half ask it, you know, you have to, it's, that's why to me, it's no different than like carving marble or, um, writing song or, or a book, you know, you could be halfway through a book and being, you know, you're like, I have to finish this thought somehow, you know, I can't, yeah, just, yeah. I can't just let it drift out or something. I, I want to, there's a compulsion to get this out somehow, you know. I suppose your medium is plagued by a certain, uh, there's a casual sex to it, a, a promiscuity. Yeah. In, that, in that sense, I mean, as you, as you talk about those processes, it's either casual sex or marriage. And marriage yields a very different result. And with that comes a lot of, of uh, forethought and, and preparation and, and seriousness and conflict and time. And But a lot of photography is just very flippantly shot, I assume. I, I'm talking now of people just using their phones and uploading it to Instagram. But at the same time, if we're honest, you use portrait mode or something, you use this or that. And um, even from an artist's perspective, I say, well, damn, that looks pretty nice. The iPhone 13 or whatever that just shot that. And um, I'm not going to deny that, you know, like, or do people, are people going to have jobs shooting uh, kids for Christmas cards? Because the iPhone 13 portrait mode seems just as sufficient as that. Not that that's a great job, but like. Uh, to me, that's an example where that that might just be, you know, pretty much cut out that whole occupation. Oh, yeah, it could. Yeah. 
And I don't know what that means. You know, it's, it's like photography is so fascinating to me because it also destroyed portrait painting, essentially. Um, you know, it also changed the history of painting in and of itself because the demand for realism, the photorealism in painting just kind of went away. Um, it's, yeah, now people that can draw just two characters. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, even in comics, like the, I don't know, the kind of naive art uh, quickies or kind of like uh, the worst, you know, like web comics. Like these are kind of tantamount to the same thing where they're just there to deliver something. Maybe it's the, the punchline and everything else is uh, not considered, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I could see that happening in comics, like about the time that um, I got into them again around the university time, where I saw the, in terms of the illustration in comics, I saw that bar come down, but it didn't sweat it too much. And, but that's just independent comics. And then I saw in commercial comics, I saw it completely plateau uh, <laughs> in terms of what if commercial comics like DC, Marvel, like what they look like. It was just all looked like it was computer storyboards for a Marvel or DC film. And yeah, still, yeah, it's yeah. still stuck in that. And for me, like looking at comics, I was just like, I have absolutely no interest in this now, and it which hurts. Um, but you look more towards the independent stuff because you're like, there's a there's a life to this, and it's drawn arguably worse. And this looks like more people could draw like this, but more of a human soul to it, you know. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that Marvel DC thing. And I, I, I'm i trying to pinpoint what, yeah, as we talk about it, photography is it's almost more like a technology than an art medium. I know that sounds either stupid or profound, but uh, the, way I'm, <laughs> the, the, way I, the way I'm thinking about it, like the way that it forced painting to change dramatically it's not like a normal medium. I know film, you know, like I make drawings and I often sit around going like, I know most people don't care about drawings. They just don't. I'm, mm -hmm. com I'm competing with virtual reality and film and whatever, you know, like I'm in an obsolete uh, medium pretty much. Photography confuses me because you would think film in some ways would render it obsolete because it's static the photograph but with social media it's so important um yeah i'm just baffled right now at the enormous nature of photography as i think about it it's clearly some there's clearly something very different about it than sculpture whatever glass blowing glass um ceramics like to even consider them in the same vein it seems very wrong Mm. Yeah, it I mean, seems more part a, part of life itself, and like that's maybe why I would question: like, is it easier to stop? Right? Like, is, can you imagine? Because um, I ask myself this about drawing sometimes: like, what would I do if I just stopped? 
And how hard would it be to stop? And what if I found something I really liked outside of it, you know? Or is it just part of the fabric of what you do? Yeah, I never even, yeah, I never thought of that as far as let's, uh, stopping doing it. I'm just trying to figure out ways to do it more. more. Yeah. <laughs> How to squeeze it in more amongst so much other like responsibilities right now. But if I think, yeah, if I think about stopping doing it, um, like would I choose a different medium? Maybe I would probably get into some other sort of medium that fulfills something there. Like film? Um, no, maybe something more like, probably more in the craft realm. Yeah. You know? Uh, but even like as we talk about it, right? Like I don't draw as a I'm not really a compulsive drawer. Like when we were in Japan, I'm not sitting there like drawing architecture or you know, the lunch we're eating. I don't in mm-hmm. in that sense, I think those drawers used it as photography in a weird way. But you know, like Logan was with us and he was overloaded by yeah. in the stimuli, the inspiration, the desire to take it back to his practice which he couldn't do there and then spend like two years processing it but you were very happy to be in that moment processing it which makes sense because your medium is far more immediate um and in that sense it feels like it's part of an extension of living um drawing feels that way sometimes like an extension of thinking Mm. and um there's an ease to it. There's something I don't know, but it can also be haunting, right? Because I remember when I would shoot those weird films senior year, like I started to get this weird feeling of like, Oh, I missed that thing. I saw a moment that I thought was worthy of capture and I failed to capture it. Uh, I didn't like that feeling. Do you ever have that feeling? Well, I had one of my professors ask me that when I was, I forget what I was working on. It's probably something for my senior thesis or something, but she kind of asked me that like, Oh, so you take pictures of all these things kind of like you see on a day-to-day basis so that you don't, you don't forget them. So you can like remember them. And I was like, no, I think it's the opposite. I think I have to take a picture of some of this stuff because I'll just keep thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Like if I pass by something or, I saw if so I had my camera on me all the time then because I was if I saw something that captured my interest, I would just keep thinking about it and be like, you know, oh, I wish I had my camera to capture that. So then I I could just get it on paper and be like, okay, that's that idea done. You know? Right, right, right. It's not for me to be like, oh yeah, remember when I saw that? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's yeah, yeah. A, that's a lot of people, you know, and that's kind of the more documentary end of photo, like you're saying with drawing, like some people have, uh, they have a responsibility, they feel like to, well, I have to capture all these things because no one else is doing it. And that's valuable to some end. But um, it's, yeah, yeah for, it's just not, it's not as expressive. I don't mm-hmm. think. Um, it serves a different purpose. Yeah, but how yeah. how do you like how do you describe your photographs? 
Um, you know, the, for me, the things I recall you being inspired by at different periods is, uh, well, <laughs> Robert Frank. There's there's a fellow called, uh, is his name Squeegee? No. <laughs> What's Weegee. his name? Weegee. Uh, and then later, Man Ray. Yeah. Uh, but what is the thread here? Like, uh, I think there's a formalist thing going on here where, uh, you know, you're not going to sit there and talk about the content of the photographs very much. No, yeah, not about kind of the subject, you know, as far as like photographers that I like. Yeah, like Robert Frank and William Eggleston. He was a big person that was kind of, you know, subject be damned. It's about what the photo, the photograph is doing when you look at it, you know. Um, and for me, seeing some of those photographers when I was really getting into it, there's just, it's kind of like any other painting. When you look at them, it just has that kind of, you can just see the expression in it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that like one of my friends told me, it, he's really dipped in art. Um, he's worked in, at the Cruget Gallery, which has the, I think it has the largest Picasso collection. Um, that's up in New York City. But, um, he kind of laid that out for me. He's a big mentor for me when I was younger. And just kind of saying, like, if it doesn't have that kind of, like, that electricity to it when you look at it, then it just doesn't have it for you, you know? And um, for me, I, I think, like, what you're kind of suggesting is, like, I don't find, like, portraits don't really pull me in that much mm -hmm. whereas like landscapes or other kinds of more abstract forms to me have this really captivating effect and portraits can too but i'm for me as far as like generating art yeah i kind of more get caught by the way things kind of interact with each other when you're out and about or if I do kind of think of something, it's kind of just your, you know, your brain's like this blender of all these different ideas. And you go, well, what, look, what would a portrait look like if it was like this though, you know, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. if, if you kind of blended subject matters and confused, like this idea is confused in my head. How can I make this confused idea, idea in my head either make sense or just make it look like how it looks like in my head, which is also a confusion of a couple different subjects, you know? Right, right, right. Well, yeah, I don't think there's an emotional component to the work per se, typically. Not that you're starting from an emotional place and or trying to capture an emotional world. It's not how I see it. I see it as a... There's a quality of divine happenstance uh, where there's just this relationship of the fundamental components of what visual art is. Now, when you strip things down to that level, in some ways, unfortunately, uh, despite sounding like the opposite, you would think that it would be more understandable because it's actually not asking you to understand something. It's saying, 
it's not saying anything actually it's visually representing the fundamentals of what is an attractive photograph mm-hmm. uh, but like a golden ratio yeah but when i used to, in fact selling one of your paintings at the gallery it became a little sad to me when the one that sold my friend bought it it was a very compelling image for a lot of reasons. And but the reason he said he bought it is because it reminded him in a, of a cave he once went into in Hawaii. And I said, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> and all that just to get there, you know? It, it's like and then I realized as a as a gallerist, well, that's probably true for a lot of things. You know, of course, later on it was worse than that. It was I'm buying I'm I'm buying this painting as an investment. I could care less about the actual object. Um, there's a funny sacrifice there. <laughs> you know, it, it's it, it's not bad that that's why my friend bought it, but um, as an yeah, artist, you can get you can get cynical and start thinking about that too much. And you say, why am I just not taking pictures of like sexy models or something? Something that so obviously is attractive to every person who sees it. Um, then you lose the personal, the intimacy of just that thing that, that struck you in that moment. Yeah. It's not what inspires me. Like some of those, some of the, some other subjects just don't, I don't feel like I need to render it into a photograph or anything. Yeah, of course. But I can imagine the temptation into the temptation of photography is, like for me to paint like a sexy woman or a beautiful woman, even, I don't even think I have the skill set to do it. To me, to, to even draw it, I'm just like not good at drawing beautiful things. Need to work on it. Um, but in photography, the temptation's always there. You know, there's always that. Uh, it's It just seems like a little easier to, to take that leap. And it, I don't know if this sounds true. To me, it sounds true, but it, it feels like to me, there's that there's probably oh, let me put it this way i think there's a lot of people who aren't artists who make conceptual art in fact there's i think there's a lot of people who hate art who make conceptual art and i imagine there's a lot of people who aren't artists who make photographs um and i don't know what i'm getting at but i feel like even in art school uh it's kind of like graphic designers where Again, because it's a technology, it's a tool, like people's parents could be like, here, you might make money doing this, so you should do it. And it creates a weird environment, I think. I don't know what your experience of art school and and the, and the kids in uh, photography department were, but uh, what I'm trying to pinpoint is like how these, how like graphic design or photography they're different. There's something different about them, like the, than the sculpture department or something. Maybe you can help me. Maybe that didn't make sense, but um, I don't know. I feel like there's like even uh, I can't remember that run of like just like New York druggies who took photographs of themselves like partying and shit. I imagine that's so frustrating to see that kind of work blow up. Um, because there's no real, I don't know what the comparable thing would be in like dr- comics or something. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there is for other mediums. Like I don't, I didn't really like um, kind of that era of photography you were describing. Yeah. 
Um, or even like, I don't want to go ahead, go bad ahead. Mouth specific people, <laughs> <laughs> something like Nan Golden, who's right, really right, weird. right. Um, yeah, to yeah. me, that's not inspirational or like, um, it's, it's very documentary. And I, right. even for me as a photographer, I go, this is more of a document. This isn't, this is not an art here. Hmm. Did she do it in an artful way? I don't really recall her photographs, but like, is it art with that element or are you saying it's skewing towards just a document? It's skewing towards just a document. And it's a document of a historically relevant period thus. See, that's the thing I don't see happening that much in other mediums that I imagine would be annoying as a photographer. Um, Because especially if you're not like, like I said earlier, you're not like partying. You're not like in a scene that's cool. You're not in New York or you're not in, you're not like in the in crowd. Then I feel like there's a certain type of notoriety you're just never going to get um, unless you decide to be. I mean, I don't even know if you can choose to be in those things, right? They just kind of happen. Yeah. Um, so it's just, a, it seems like a unique aspect of photography where life intrudes on it a lot more if that makes sense the the historical quality of life Um, you just see it as being the next thing because there's even some like painters or other artists in that time period or in other time periods that even like if you think of jazz music um that their life is also very synonymous with what they're doing and it's, it's coming across the medium, you know, it's true. It's true. You know, you could, yeah, yeah, if, yeah. You, if you, if you know, you know, that's, that's the thing Like, if you know, and for, for us, we're kind of knowing, but for the general populace, like they might not know that, uh, the, the photo of the, of the naked dude in the, the mess of phone books, like that's the guy who did it. You know, he did the other thing. <laughs> right, right. Well, who's the guy you mentioned earlier? Ouija? Ouija, yeah. He was we- like Ouija's a farm- photographer. Right. So, like, he skews into what we're talking about, right? But you like the way he shoots the photographs. Um, he's, he, I mean, he's way more, like, documentarian, but still having, like, a bit more of a creative gotcha, edge gotcha. to it, you know. But it's still, yeah, it's still way more, like, documentarian. Yeah, um, and Robert Frank's kind of like on that edge too, as far as like just taking a photo of something and, but, but still compositionally, in a in a way that's I think it's with photo it's like compositionally in a way that's not obvious. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what makes the difference. If you are looking at a scene. Or you saw something and you go, well, I saw this, but my impression of it or what I want to try and communicate is this specific aspect of it or something that's like a bit more askew that only I think I am seeing right now. You know, you, you like that. Yeah. Well, I see that in the photographs. I think you can see the opposite in these kind of I don't like photographs that are like three shapes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or two. And they're and they're just like telling me this is a good composition. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
it's like, kind of like what William Eggleston has said is that he's like at war with the obvious, and, okay. which is really powerful. Well, that's such a funny, yeah, that's, I guess, a challenge in photography, right? Like, whereas certain mediums you're working towards clarity, uh, it seems like you have to actively work away from clarity because you're exactly, already, yeah. yeah, you're working with definition, with defined yeah. reality. Yeah, you go, I can take a picture of this person, but what can I do that makes it something unique or, you know, in a different way that I want to see? see an image be created well yeah yeah or give it soul you know because it, on, on in its face value it's a soulless medium i suppose and the yeah, portrait's like interesting the yeah, yeah 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 whereas like yeah. painting painting isn't you know i think i think um you can have a bad painting that exudes some kind of soul but to give someone soul via flat photograph uh, i've obviously seen it happen but that's very it must be difficult um or happenstance obviously there's polaroids that you know i don't even i don't even know how to talk about that you know there's like this weird uh, oh, the oral projection photos <laughs> no there's just like oh. <laughs> again i don't have any uh i'm so often trying to find a way to understand another medium through drawing or something but just the the feel of old film or polaroids Mm-hmm. And and how much that does for photography, as opposed to shooting on film that's newer or something, it's really um, it feels like it does a lot of the work, you know, or even the yellowing of a photograph over time. Um, there's like this embedded nostalgia, and it could be the time thing. There's this um, sense of this photograph happened at that time. I think when I make a drawing, it doesn't, no one gives a shit that I made it 10 years ago. But when the photograph was taken and the way it wears, et cetera, those are, that's all relevant information in some sense. Yeah, it can be. It's depending on the subject. Some, some are timeless. Like I lean more towards ones that are more or less timeless. Yeah. Um, which I think it's, that's kind of, uh, again, in what resonates with me is in making an image, if you can only extract the information that's necessary. And sometimes you need to kind of uh, frame out the information that's going to put it at a certain place of time and change the impression that it's going to give. Because I've seen painters do that go like, well, I didn't put the Exxon logo on the thing that I painted, or I... Yeah, 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 yeah. You do X, Y, or Z to make it a little different. Some people add it. I don't know why, but... <laughs> that's well, a whole I different think, thing. I think, to be fair, whatever you do, if you do it to the utmost, you can break through. So if you were to shoot something so of its time... I think there's a chance you might break on through to the timeless. Yeah. Just like if you write something so autobiographical, you somehow emerge with something universally relatable. I refuse such a task or such a method it just doesn't work for my personality. But I, I think, I think it's the problem is the half step. Yeah. Whatever you do, do it to the max and you have a chance. Um, 
so I think there is a way to be so marked by time that you get outside of it. But uh, yeah, it's a different objective. But in, in respect to where you want, so like, where do you, in, you know, you, you're working on the kites. Um, what other projects? What are you looking forward to in terms of the, the, the fine art stuff? Um, I just need, I need more time to figure out sort of what I want to do. Um, mm -hmm. so much is, again, so much is going into the store right now. And that's kind of a product of, in terms of like commercial work, I was like, well, what do I want to shoot? You know, who, who do I want to work with? And you have kind of that crisis in your head of like, I know I want to, I know I have a skill and I, I want to do this, but what do I want to do it for? And inevitably being like, I'll, I'll just do it for myself. So my wife and I, and my wife was kind of like, I don't want to work for anyone anymore. So um, we started the store and now I can do that same practice, which is cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's periods of service in life, you know, and yeah, you never know what, progress you end up making during those those years of service uh unfortunately i think time is very important and ideas get lost in these periods of service i feel the same way right now uh that's just part of the trade-off you know it's it's uh i think yeah, we forgot go ahead go ahead it comes down to just like doing something at some point you know, I either like write down so many ideas or keep them in my head, but at some point you just have to start, you just have to make something and it'll probably suck. And then you go, okay, well now I'm in the rhythm of like making something again. And then, oh, you, definitely. Can, then definitely. you can ride that kind of wave. Um, but I know I want to take like just more photos in general. And that's kind of what it is. Just like set, set up a camera, start taking some photos and, I think my initial, my next thing I'm going to make a photo album of my cat that just passed away, Buck, mm -hmm. um, passed away like 10 days ago. And I was looking through a lot of the photos that I had with him, which are all like digital on my computer and was just like, had that realization that I want to see these more often, but I don't want to have to look at them on the computer. Right. So that's, you know, for me, uh, the, that creative kind of compulsion to be like, okay, well, how, how can I make this, all of these into like some physical things I can just pick up and look at whenever, you know? Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a more of an emotional project. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's just, just something for me. And, um, but I can, I've, still want to make it uh make it good you know everything that, that i try and do i want to i want to make it make sense in terms of its construction of course thing. yeah of course um well, are you looking at any photographers right now yeah i th i just got a photo book of um i always forget his name I got it not too long ago, and I couldn't find it for a while. Um, I'm trying to find it. 
uh, Jack Davison. Mm-hmm. He, I, I've been keeping up with his photos for a while, but he's, he's a really good, a really great photographer. And I've, even in his commercial work, he manages to kind of instill it with a very unique take, which is yeah. cool to see because you, you go like, well, at least there's someone out there who's like allowed to do what they want to do. <laughs> well, but did he build his fine art career first? I don't think so. I mean, well, I don't know that much it. about him, but like he like just kind of had this photo book come out a couple of years ago that I got, and I had seen his photos in like New York Times or something like that, like the Times Magazine. I mean, that's impressive. I, I find that you have to build that identity via the process of uh, client work is really really difficult. Um, yeah. It's much easier to build your career, like, you know, whatever, as a comic artist, have that identity and then start getting hired for illustration and bring that into the, the fold. But to build it while working with clients, that's that's really uh, an incredible skill. Yeah, very interesting work. Yeah, to the degree that, like, I have this photo book and I like it, but I'm like, I want more of the stuff I saw in the magazine. Mm, that's interesting. So I don't know yeah, how, yeah. how to Gotta compile those, but I'm like, how do I get that stuff? Um, you know, black and white the has this appeal. Person I think of. Yeah, black and white has this. Uh, no one would shoot black and white on a, you know, phone. I don't know. There's something. Uh, there's something very timeless and psychological about black and white. Oh yeah, but he has he has some very beautiful black and white photos. Yeah. I'm checking them out right now. Yeah, it's a newer one I can think of. And then I was just looking at, you know, recent photo books I have. I got a skate photo book recently, uh, Grant Britton. He's like an 80 skate photographer, which that's kind of more document for sure. But mm -hmm. it's like the nerd side of me. Do you still shoot uh, skateboarding stuff? No, no short stint growing up with that and then uh it's just too much stuff to carry around to really get into it do you still skate yeah how those knees uh knees are good ankles are bad one ankle's bad gotta be something <laughs> but i i totally recouped it so it's nice yeah you got a joke for me i like to end on a joke joke so always stumps people i thought of some it's not really a joke though because i okay. saw a guy, that's all right um, that's all right i still think it's funny <laughs> <laughs> i saw a guy he was uh he had his car it was parked in the street and he was underneath it you know like he was looking under the yeah, car yeah. in between the wheel wells and I wanted to say to him, you go in through the doors on the side. You don't, it's not underneath. <laughs> you know, it's much simpler than you think it is. But you did. I did, I did not say that. Um, and yeah, and my wife Emily said that I probably would have gotten a nasty comeback if I said that. Oh, yeah. On your street? Uh, yeah, around the corner from the store. Well, I'll take that as a funny thought of the day. Yeah, I don't think I have like as a snippet. It's a bit of a photograph. 
Yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Have a good night, and uh, I'll see you soon. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Peace. And that was a fun one. Music by Dory Bavarsky and Mingja Chen. Next up, we have Jonathan Levine. Oh,